The mortgage industry never stays still. With interest rates moving, companies changing, and regulation increasing, there's always another story. This is The Principle, where we break it down daily and take a deeper dive into the issues. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director for the Mortgage News Network. Let's pay it down. But first, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by PennyMac TPO, the lending partner with the products, people, and technology to serve your customers and help you grow your business in the best ways possible. It's why they say, at PennyMac, greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, equal housing lender. NMLS ID number 35953. Loans not available in New York. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Several companies have filed lawsuits accusing cross-country mortgage of systematically raiding their employees and then working with those employees to steal coworkers and customers. And now cross-country is fighting back with its own lawsuit. But is this a situation that's exclusive to the mortgage industry? And how do originators keep themselves out of legal trouble? I'm Mike Savino, head of multimedia for the Mortgage News Network, and today I'm joined by Gary Phelan. He's a law professor at Quinnipiac University. Gary, thanks for joining me. Uh, thank you. So just to set the tone, Gary, you know, these lawsuits, they they revolve around, they don't have direct non-competes, but there's some covenants in there regarding an originator's ability to take coworkers, take customers and resources with them if they leave for another mortgage bank. Are these kind of covenants common in other areas of the private sector? Do we see a lot of companies using these ways to sort of, in their minds, protect themselves? Uh, yes, there's been a substantial increase in the amount of or the the steps that employers and companies are taking uh, to pre- protect anything that might be considered proprietary information, and that includes um, you know things like customer lists, uh, as well as just their current employees. They they don't they want to protect against the types of things uh, that has led to the allegations against cross country of having a wave of employees uh, leave. And I think there's been an increase in that due to the pandemic, as we all know about the great resignation with so many people leaving. Um, there's there, there has also been an increase of people leaving with information. And that, I think, has been another a catalyst for um, the more recent increases we've seen in this sort of litigation. And that was one of the things I wanted to ask is, you know, we're seeing people leaving for other jobs and and particularly in the mortgage industry, 2021 was such a booming time. If people are resigning, it might be easier for company A to look at company B and say, let's just get their trained employees to do it for us and they can hit the ground running. So we're also seeing uh, companies responding with lawsuits uh, and and that trend is also going up. Uh, That's correct. And and I think that the you know, it's one thing you you if particularly if you don't have a non-compete, although certainly more and more employers are also enforcing non-competes. But if uh, you know, the, I think it's important for people to know that just even though there may not be a non-compete, it doesn't mean there's not restrictions um, on things such as non-solicitation agreements of uh, of the you know the customer base or other employees. One of the things I suggest to employees when they you know, retain me as far as when they're thinking of leaving is assume every email you send and every you know, person you speak to that the employer is going to be aware of that. Um, one of the things I think that you know, technology has made it easier for employees to misappropriate information. 
And it's also, but it's also made it easier to prove mis- misappropriation. I advise people uh, when, you know, when they're leaving uh, to really just, um, you know, just leave with the knowledge they have, but not take any documents, uh, not take any proprietary information. Don't tell your current customers that you're going to be leaving and where you're going. All of those things are what ha- makes employers, you know, suspicious and inevitably word gets back. And so just, you know, just go start your new job, um, but but start it on day one, not where you're still working for the previous company. And certainly, you know, I wanted to ask you about each of these covenants and is there, a, you know, as a lawyer, I'm sure you would advise people not to play in the gray area, but is there gray area? But I guess more generally, how binding are these covenants? You know, we hear sometimes with contract law, yeah, really, that's not as binding as it sounds and it's scary. With these kind, these seem like they're pretty clear covenants that are referenced in these lawsuits. Are they binding once you've, if, if you can prove violations, is it hard to sort of counter those claims? Uh, yes. I mean, it's basic contract law. If you agree, I am not going to, um, you know, contact customers for a, you know, a, a year or, or take any other employees. You know, obviously it, the state laws may vary, um, but you are bound by those. Where there is certainly, you know, uncertainty is with respect to non-competes. Now, I have people come to me who will say, "Well, you know, I, I, I know I've been told by friends these things really aren't enforceable." Big mistake, because even if they um, generally it's if you agree to it, there there's certainly some states that are starting to restrict use of non of non competes. But assume it's enforceable, or contact a lawyer before you're considering leaving, and because what what there there's a concept called blue penciling an agreement where the you know let's say it restricts you from working for a competitor for three years, well. Um, you know, what a court may do is say, that's too long. We're going to reduce it to two years. It's still enforceable. And so, um, you know, to really what I advise people to do is err on the side of caution when it comes to leaving an employer uh, going from company A to company B. We have seen a, you know, a, a significant increase in the amount of litigation in this arena. Don't miss the nation's largest show for successful mortgage pros. Originator Connect returns to Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas, August 18th through the 21st. See us at OriginatorConnect.com. It's simply the greatest mortgage conference in the known universe. OriginatorConnect.com. I would imagine these covenants are kind of a way for companies to get around that concern, right? We're not barring you from working for a competitor, but you can't take these resources that we can justify we've spent time and money cultivating your skills. That's correct. And one of the things that's also fueled the amount of litigation in the trade secret area, um, in 2016, um, you know, Congress passed what's called the Defend Trade Secrets Act of 2016. Since then, there's been, you know, almost 8,000 lawsuits filed. And that, you know, what before there was kind of a hodgepodge of state laws. Now there's a federal law with uniform set of standards, uniform remedies, and that's been, you know, that's been led to an increase um, in the amount of litigation in this area. And there's an email footprint of everybody, and, you know, when you leave a workplace, you know, they will have everything, um, you know, every email you ever send. And 
more and more employers are, are almost erring on the side of assuming people are taking things when they leave. Um, that's why it's really important not to do those things because it can not only get the employee in trouble, but the new company in trouble. And, and looking at some of the, the covenants that are common in these contracts, uh, you know, one of them removing loans seems like it's pretty clear. If a loan is already in the process or if it's already written and you want to try to get them to refinance, like that's a pretty clear line of um, when you've, you've, you've done that. But, but recruiting customers, because an originator might feel like, hey, these are my customers. And if they haven't gone through the loan process yet, why can't I take them with me? Like that's me building relationships similar to I would tell somebody as a journalist, yeah, I'm taking my sources with me. That's me building my relationship. Sure, you've given me the time to talk to these people, but th- but it's me who's built this. Is there any wiggle room for an originator to say, you haven't written a loan yet. Your relationship is with me and not the the bank. I can take some of these customers earlier in the process with me, or is that just a bright red line? Ignore, pretend you're starting from zero. I wouldn't say it's a bright red line, uh, but it you want that customer to contact you first, not to, not that, uh, you know, where they don't become aware, you tell them in advance of leaving. But if after you leave, if they contact you again, the first thing is, what did you agree to? And if you agreed, I'm not going to service any customer, then you made an agreement that, that essentially for a certain time period, they're not going to be your customer or your client. And so, um, the, you know, to, to it's another uh, issue is with respect to employees. You know, it's one thing to say, you know, we're we're uh, let's let's somebody at a you know a mentor goes to a new company. That employee contacts them and says, "Hey, I want to work. I want to work with you." Well, as long as you're you're not making you know recruiting that person, that's fine. Um, but uh, you can't be, sol- you know, soliciting them. The solicitation is that, you know, that's what's being prohibited here. Where sometimes it creates problems and where the gray area is, is, is the employee, you know, and a, a company may assume, well, they, they probably had discussions beforehand. Um, and that's where, you know, again, I tell people that always err on the side of caution. And, and employees, that was, you know, I, that was certainly I wanted to ask you about because what happens if it's a situation where we're employees, but we're also friends. So we're out to, to lunch or we're out having a drink or something. And my former coworker asks me, Hey, what's it like over there? You know, what, how's, how's the new job going? Where, where does that fall in, in solicitation versus the, the former coworker asking me? It, just telling about you know how your your new job that wouldn't be a violation of generally most agreements. Um, again, the question it, it really focuses on the solicitation part. If you're saying I really love my new job, that's not a problem. If you're saying I love my new job and it would be great if you came with me, that's a problem. Certainly, a lot of people looking to change jobs for a lot of reasons in the industry right now, including uh, the industry kind of constricting a little bit. People might be looking for. Uh, where the grass might be greener. So as you advise, certainly always good to get legal advice. And Gary, thanks for providing some for us today. Thank you. And we'll have more right after this word. This podcast was brought to you by PennyMac TPO. Visit tpo.pennymac.com to learn more about becoming a partner and starting your journey to greatness. 
Here's the rest of your headlines for today, June 6th. Home prices went up through the end of April, according to Black Knight. Now, that may not be surprising, but the big news is that April was the third straight month that annual appreciation went up by double digits in each of the top 100 markets. Like a lot of experts, Black Knight saw signs that the market is cooling, but those indicators weren't enough to avoid a 2.2% increase from March. That's the seventh month during the pandemic, where prices went up by at least 2% from the prior month. Elsewhere on prices, a Redfin report is showing us how much prices go up because of fire risks. Homes with high fire risks had median prices that were $120,000 higher than in places with low risk. Now, homes have always cost more in high-risk areas, but the gap has grown since the pandemic because more people are leaving cities for suburbs and rural areas, places with more vegetation. And finally, Mr. Cooper Group is going through another round of layoffs. The company let go of 420 employees last week. The company says it's dealing with less origination as interest rates go up and inflation continues. This has been The Principal, a Mortgage News Network podcast. All episodes are produced by T.G. Cotemporor and Matthew Mullins. Mike Savino is head of multimedia and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate and the music you hear now is Glossy by Skygaze. You can find episodes of The Principal at www.mortgagenewsnetwork.com or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate and review so that others can find it. Thanks for listening.